0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome friends to another R slash malicious compliance video. If you're not a malicious soul, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. With that said, our first story of the day is by Lex Not Luther. Denied work from home for one day, but got three days on sick leave. Happened over the December holiday season when I took a week off to celebrate Christmas with family, but unfortunately got a severe fever with a cold. Tested negative several times over for COVID. So my holiday week was spent laid up in bed and/or the couch, watching Netflix, drinking soup, and sleeping. All socializing was canceled. I work at a clinic, so just to be safe, I decided to err on the side of caution and take a work from home following the weekend. I wasn't actively having a fever but I had a terrible cough that would leave me hacking up phlegm every hour. I could do my work on a computer and it didn't require me to physically be at the clinic. My company does not allow for self-reporting sick leave, I know, but will let you work from home if you need another day and aren't required to be around. I called my immediate supervisor, a new joinee, on Friday morning to request the Monday as work from home. She told me that she does not believe in work from home and needs a doctor cert to approve my day off and nothing else mattered. Come back on Tuesday with a sick cert, she said. Alrighty then. I went to a doctor on Sunday who said I wasn't well enough to go into work and proceeded to give me the next three days off. I read a polite email with the sick cert attached to HR and the supervisor. When I went back to work on Thursday, she was visibly unhappy and did not speak to me at all. You can bet I was smiling all day. The best part is I spent those 3 days outside in the sun and relaxing at a secluded beach. Just enough to make up for not being able to have a cozy Christmas. If you were trying to get a day off when you were actually sick, would you go to the doctor and ham it up maybe a little bit just to try to get some extra time off? Let me know in the comments down below. Our next story is by Green Eyed Wolfus. Shall we call him Medium? When I first enrolled in community college, financial aid required tax information from both of my parents because I was under 25. I gave them my mother's and listed my father as deceased. Two weeks go by, I get a call. We need your father's tax return. This time I gave them a copy of his death certificate. Rinse and repeat four times. The last time they said they would cancel my classes. I made my way to the financial aid office, requested a supervisor, and said quite loudly, That sleazeball kicked the bucket 15 years ago. If he's paying taxes somewhere, I want to know. We have a few things to talk about. Funny, no one asked for his tax information ever again. This is a royal screw-up by this office. Imagine being so bad that somebody gives you five opportunities to write down and register that some relative is deceased. And they missed it every single time, until OP goes there and literally says, They died 15 years ago, stop asking. This next story is by Voodoo285. Force clocking in leads to malicious compliance. I started at a company, and they didn't have clocking in machines. People would show up quite regularly a couple of minutes late. Not through reckless abandon, but simply because traffic in the area was hugely unpredictable. Plus, the car park was really far away, and it'd take time depending on where you park to get into the office. Everyone was okay with this because they also would happily work considerably more than the three minutes they were late, by working while eating lunch, or by staying after five, or a combination. Anyway, the HR guy decided he had something to prove and got a clocking-in machine. He would then issue warnings on an escalating procedure from verbal to formal written to worse. When people started to realize this was the case, they all just started fully working to rule. 8.30 a.m. clock in, exact 45 minutes for lunch, always away from the desk, and at 5 p.m., you betcha there was a full-on rush to clock out. There'd occasionally be a queue to clock out at five. By 5.05 p.m., the place was an absolute ghost town apart from the sad act director and HR knobber that implemented the system. They must have felt really smug with themselves that they stopped people being late. They also must have lost an absolute fortune through lost productivity and a few good people hated it so they left. What's great is nobody actually sent a memo out like, hey let's work to rule. It was just this unconscious thing after the first disciplinaries. Governments should study these people as it would be amazing population control if they could bottle it and put it in the water. It's no surprise that being really uptight about when and how people work makes them not want to bend over backwards for you in any situation. This next story is by Visual Suggestion 487 I did exactly what my nurse manager asked me and it caused her trouble. Alright, I never thought I would have to make this post, but here we go. I used to work as a patient monitor at a hospital during the pandemic. My role was to take care of, mostly, psychiatric patients. For example, monitor them, talk to them, chart it, etc. We're told to always stay one-to-one with patients until someone relieves us and exchange reports before we leave. One day, I got assigned to take care of a psychiatric patient in a specific wing of the hospital who happens to also have COVID-19. No surprise here, I'm trained on how to handle this for some annoying and unintuitive reason, the hospital nursing office has this thing where if there's a patient monitor watching a COVID patient, then every two hours they must switch with another patient monitor who would watch a non-COVID patient. Wouldn't that expose more people? Whatever. So this meant that I would have to switch after my first two hours of my shift with another patient monitor, who happens to be in the emergency room. I'd also like to add that my first patient was very aggressive and worked up as he wanted to go home. I was a bit on the nervous side because he punched the wall and kept jumping out of frustration. After an hour and 45 minutes, I had to push the panic alarm which calls security since he was being so restless. Since it was almost time for me to leave, the nurse told me to step outside of the room and he'll stay with him as security talks to the patient. Eventually, we were able to fulfill the patient's request and start discharge papers. Now, I'm not sure how many of you know this, but discharge paperwork takes a bit of time, maybe an hour or two depending on how busy the staff are. But anyways, since it was two hours in for me, it was time to switch with the other patient monitor as protocol, like I mentioned earlier. When I went to the ER, where the other patient was located, I warned the other patient monitor about the aggressive patient and that she should be very careful. Another 2 hours pass by, and I have to switch again with this patient monitor, but someone has to watch this ER patient till I go and switch, so I kindly ask this patient's nurse to watch him until the other patient monitor comes back. This is where things go downhill fast. I had just gone to that wing of the hospital where I was taking care of the first patient, and I still see the aggressive patient being so restless and wanting to go home. The paramedics came to take him on a stretcher, hospital bed that can be easily moved around to take him to the ambulance and take him home when i was walking to this patient's room his nurse tells me that he is not a one-on-one anymore which makes sense he's going home but i still had the er patient's report on my hand to give to the other patient monitor so i still stopped by and give it to her at this point the patient monitor was not responsible for this patient as of this point and neither was i The other patient monitor was supposed to leave this patient and go back to her other patient in the ER. Because of that, I just went back to the nursing office to see if there was a new assignment. I do get a new assignment and I'm with a new patient. Five minutes in, the nursing office calls and needs me downstairs immediately. When I get there they ask me, didn't you say that the patient was leaving and got downgraded? I say yes and that the other patient monitor should be back to her original patient in the ER. But they tell me that she isn't at this point the nurse from the er is asking where the other patient monitor is the nursing officer tried calling her and no answer i was told to go back to the er patient until the other patient monitor returns and i comply after 15 to 20 minutes with being with the patient in the er the other patient monitor returns and i ask her what happened and she told me that she was just staying with aggressive patient till he left I told her she was supposed to be here with her original patient and that either way she way passed her two hours with this Covid patient. But now the nursing office wanted me with the ER patient for the rest of the shift and to see the nurse manager after my shift. I was so fed up at this point. The other patient monitor went back to the nursing office and went to a new patient. Fast forward till after my shift was over, the nurse manager wanted to speak to me and the other patient monitor because of that wild confusion and how we left the ER patient alone for 5 or 10 minutes. We both explain our sides of what happened and that nurse manager thinks that it was my fault that the ER patient was alone and that he could have harmed himself. I explain 1 I respectfully asked his ER nurse to be in charge of him until the other patient monitor arrives. 2. The aggressive patient was discharged, so no more one-on-one, so the other patient monitor needed to leave and proceed to the ER patient. 3. I did everything that was told. The nurse manager still applauded the other patient monitor for staying with a non-one-on-one patient till the last minute, and talked down on me for basically following protocol, telling me that you should have never have left that ER patient. Okay, fine. Not even one week later, I was with a patient who was getting discharged and I did exactly what the nurse manager told me to do, stay with the patient till the last minute, even when they aren't one on one anymore. This time the nursing office knew that this patient was leaving and that they were expecting me back at their office soon. But the discharge papers aren't done and three paramedics were with the patient waiting and told me that it's okay to leave as well as the nurses. I told them that I needed to stay until the last second the nurse manager runs into an issue where she needs me with another patient. She tried calling me. Where are you? The patient you have is getting discharged and we need you here. I tell them, oh, but I should stay with the patient till the last minute, just like they disciplined me a couple of days earlier. They kept trying to tell me it's okay and that they need me, but I said, no, it's okay, I insist. They tell me it's fine and to come as soon as the patient leaves. Half an hour goes by, and the patient still didn't leave, and the nurse manager calls me back. She really needs me, but I tell her I can't. I also say, what if the patient hurts themselves, hmm? The manager gets annoyed and hangs up. Later, after I left, the patient, as she left, I went back to the nursing office, and the nursing manager can't make eye contact with me. Apparently, they had to pull someone from a different role to watch the patient, because I was busy. If you're going to praise something that is clearly informal and not against the structure of what you're supposed to do, the next time that comes around, you're going to follow that exact informal thing that was praised. Too bad that the nursing manager realized it kind of sucks. Our next story is by ShopHopper, a letter for our CEO, Mr. Johnson. I just came back from a great skiing trip with a bunch of colleagues. It was a short holiday in our private time and paid in full by anyone who joined the trip. In other words, it was a private trip, with all attendees working at the same company. The youngest person in the group was fresh out of school, while others had been in key positions in the company for decades. The company I work for is a Dutch engineering firm with a thousand plus employees. This field of work is dominated by men. We're a professional, yet very informal organization, where everyone addresses each other on a first-name basis. Our former CEO was with us on this trip. Let's call her Kathy Johnson. Not only is she a great skier, she's also a very outgoing person who loves to have fun and who hates pretentious behavior. By the way, the reason that she's not the CEO anymore but still works at the company is that we have a mandatory rule that requires the executive board to step down at the age of 55. The thought behind that is that the best performing, fresh-minded leaders are generally not people who are well past 60 years of age. On the day of our return trip, a 10-hour drive, we were carpooling, we'd already vacated the hotel and went out skiing until well after lunchtime. While we were changing clothes out in the open in the car parking, she shared a great story. While she was CEO, she received many letters to the CEO, Mr. Johnson or Mr. C. Johnson. These letters were all based on the false assumption that the CEO of an engineering firm must be a man. She instructed her secretary to return every single letter unopened that addressed her as a man. Her secretary, also a woman, loved doing that. She returned dozens of letters over the years stating that there was no Mr. Johnson at our company. When I asked Kathy about the replies, she told me that the senders invariably either sent a second letter with profuse apologies or were never heard of again. You gotta love these companies that literally could not account for possibly having a female CEO got denied and then just never replied, never to be heard from again. And our final story of the day is by Gentle Whimsy. Boss gets exactly what he asked for and regrets it until the day he retired. One of my first jobs out of college, I was an admin in a small department in a large company. One of my job responsibilities was to take notes for all our hands meetings. Then it would type it up and send it out to everyone. Seems simple, right? My boss was very particular and the biggest micromanager you'll ever meet. So there was always something wrong or missing with my notes. There wasn't. The worst thing was there was no way to dispute him and he kept going on about how I needed to be more accurate. My supervisor didn't stick up for me at all. Being tech savvy, I saw a way to cover my butt and suggested that I record the meeting, which I pointed out to him, meant I would never make a mistake again. Boss had no choice but to agree, and I never heard a peep about the notes again. Fast forward a few years later, my boss retires, and the new boss tells me that I don't have to record the meetings. In fact, he told me that as soon as I suggested recording the meetings, our old boss knew he had gone too far, but literally couldn't admit it. Best part was that I was no longer micromanaged in any other way either. Job went from the worst to the best. Just didn't pay well. Also, this was more accidental malicious compliance, but I still think it belongs here due to the outcome. You kind of hope that this guy felt pretty shameful about it, like realizing, crap, I really did go too far with this. This person was so dedicated to trying to get their notes so right, that they were willing to put 200% in and record the meeting as well, just to make sure that my complaints don't, I don't know, happen anymore. You gotta love how they kind of just sheepishly stop talking about it, stop making any comments. OP unawaringly totally caught them up. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below.